Welcome to Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. Through the revelation of God's undeserved, unearned, and unmerited favor, we are committed to helping you make better changes in life for life. By just general observation of life, you will realize that things that don't profit, somehow they are so easy to do, and some of them, they are so easy to access. Have you ever noticed that things that are not so important, they are so easy to do. Things that do not make uh, so much of a difference on the long run in your life, somehow they, 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 they are so easy to do. So as a result, we somehow spend a great deal of time doing things that are not important. Somehow, we end up spending a great deal of time doing things that are not so profitable. They might be exciting, but when you look at them or when you compare them with things that you're supposed to be investing on, you can, you, common sense will tell you that these things are not so important. These are things that you can do without in life. But somehow, those are the very things that we tend to invest a lot of time doing. And then, because we do them over a long period of time, they become habits that have become like a stronghold on us. But it is my prayer that in your life as an individual, you take a pause and evaluate your life whether you are investing in things that are important in your life. Because it's not everything that we do that is so important. But there is a deception that comes because they are exciting, they are so easy to do. Therefore, we don't pay so much attention. Because they are so easy to do, we tend to repeat them and do them again and again. Most of the times we do them at the expense of things that are so important in your life. I'll just give you a simple example. We all know that it is important to exercise. Amen, church. Amen, church of the living God. If you love your pastor, I want you to smile at me and say a big amen. amen. We all know that it is important to what? To exercise. But it is so easy to sit in front of the teller and not invest in what? In just spending five minutes exercising. It's something that is so easy to do. Uh, do I have some real people in the house? Uh, you can agree with me. One of the things that is so easy to do, it's easy to eat junk food. Now uh, You better say amen today because I'm going to talk to you. It's easy to eat junk food. And it takes a bit of an effort to eat healthy food. <laughs> Am I talking sense in the house this morning? Can I just take a little bit step high? It's profitable to spend your Monday with your family. Yet it's so easy to spend that time on WhatsApp. It's profitable to spend at least, at least five, ten minutes of a period of seven days with your family where you switch your, your, your off button on your phone just to test if it's still working. Because some phones, they don't even know that that off button works. Ever since it was bought, it has never gone off. But we are saying it, is, it, it takes a bit of an effort to spend five minutes with your family. Why? Because it's a long-term investment. Not only with your children, but with your own spouse. It's important. Yet it's so easy to be on YouTube, going from one video to the other, as if you're looking for something. Yet you know that you, you have no intention of looking on, on anything specific. You're just flipping through, scrolling up and down. At the expense of things that are so important. But let me tell you in life, there is a price to pay when we ignore things that are important. 
There is a heavy price that we pay on the long run every time we ignore things that are important in our lives. There is a price. It will catch up with you at some point in your life. This is what I would like to say. The cost of avoiding things that are important in life is inevitable. The price that you pay when you ignore things that are important in life, you cannot ignore that one. You, you cannot ignore that one and there's no quick fix most of the times to things that are important that have been ignored for a long time. It is going to take a lot of effort and a lot of work to recover from things that are important that have been ignored over a long period of time. It will take a great deal of effort in your life. Can I give you free 60 seconds to think, to think on things that are important in your life that you are avoiding? It's free. You don't have to pay me. You can't say, Pastor, I couldn't do it because I, don't, I didn't have time. I'm giving you 60 seconds free. Just upon the things that are important in your life that you are avoiding. Don't raise your hands. Just, just think about it. Just think about it. Why am I saying this to you? I want to bring your attention to just one thing which when it's ignored in our lives, whether, it's, whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, by, by, by fact that you are here, I know you believe God. Whether you believe in Christ or you don't believe in Christ, there is one important thing in our lives which if we ignore it, if we don't pay attention on it, I tell you, it is the capacity, the ability to destroy everything about your life. It is the ability to destroy everything about your marriage. It is the ability to destroy your relationship with your family, with your children. It is that capacity. You cannot ignore that one. It is this thing called trust. Somebody say trust. 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 The very same way that a foundation is to a building or a structure is the very same way that trust is to any kind of a relationship in life. Now, any building for it to be habitable, for you to come in and be able to live in a building and have a sense of security, have a sense of safety inside that room, it needs a strong foundation. And I'm saying to you, that's exactly what trust is in every aspect of your life. And the moment you are living in a house that does not have a foundation, when the storms come, when the rains come, when the floods come, when problems and challenges come, that the house will not stand the test of time. That is exactly what trust is in our lives. Now, it becomes important or wise in our lives to invest in things that are important. Can I repeat that to you, Church of God? It becomes wise in our lives to invest in things that are important. And for today, I'm saying to you, what will happen in your life? What will happen in your family when you and I take time to invest in this thing called trust? Somebody shout trust. Somebody shout trust. So on that backdrop of what I've shared, I want to speak into your life today on a subject that I've titled, It Pays to Trust God. It surely pays to trust God. Shake somebody who's next to you and tell them it pays to trust God. Uh, tell them like you mean it. It pays to trust God. From an economic or a political or social point of view, I've seen countries go on their knees where trust is not there. I'm sure this is not a secret to one of the countries that I know from Africa. I know you don't come from there, but let me just tell you about it. If you want to Google about that country, you can go and Google, Google but not now, but after church. When trust is affected in a nation, Nothing moves. It erodes the confidence of the key pillars of a community or of a nation. Not only a nation, but even in a family, 
trust is eroded away. It affects everything. In your life as an individual, in your relationship with God, when trust is no longer there, it affects how healthy your relationship is supposed to become. Let's go to the book of Isaiah chapter number 26, verse number 3 to just verse number 4, just two verses. Isaiah chapter number 26, verse number 3. If you don't have your Bible, I will help you. I've got one on the screen here. So I would highly recommend you to invest in a Bible. Let's look on the screen together and let's read together. One to go. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Can we just read that one again with more life on it? One to go. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Verse number four. Trust in the Lord forever. For in here, the Lord is everlasting strength. Trust in the Lord forever. For in Yahweh, the Lord is everlasting what? Is everlasting strength. Now, when we talk of trust, we can interchange the word trust with the word confidence. With the word what? With the word confidence. And now Isaiah is coming in and this is Isaiah is writing chapter number 26. He's talking of things that haven't happened. In other words, he's writing prophetically. And he's speaking to a people of Israel, of people of Judah. Now, people of Judah, they had a relationship with God. At one point, which was healthy, which was strong and stable. But with time, Israel lost their trust in the Lord. And Israel gave her back to the Lord. In other words, Israel backslided. And now Isaiah is raised by God to speak to a people who have fallen away from the Lord. And he is giving prophecy after prophecy. Hey, Judah, the Lord is merciful. The Lord is slow to anger. And he's saying to you, repent, because if you don't repent, I'm going to surrender you into the hands of your enemies. And prophecy after prophecy comes. But Israel is not listening to God. In chapter number 26, Isaiah begins to see the things that will happen when a nation goes back to God. And in chapter number 26, especially when you read from verse number one, verse number two, he uses an image picture of a city called Zion or Jerusalem. And as he's talking about, he's using the picture of Jerusalem to speak of people that are faithful to God. People that are faithful to who? To God. But when you come to verse number three and verse number four, Isaiah stands up and he says, to the people that are going to come back to you, people that are going to be faithful to you, you will keep them in perfect peace. Those whose minds are stayed on you. Why? Because they trust in you. Because they trust in you. You will keep them in perfect peace. So there is only one benefit of trusting God that you cannot afford to miss in your life. It is the benefit of being kept by the Lord. Am I talking to somebody in the house? There's one benefit concerning trust that you cannot afford to let go in your life, that you cannot afford to allow the enemy to steal away from you. It is the blessing or the benefit of being kept by the Lord. Somebody say to be kept by the Lord. Somebody say to be kept by the Lord. Why am I saying and repeating this? Because men can keep you to a certain extent. Your husband can protect you to a certain extent. But there is a place where they cannot keep you. There is a place where they cannot shield you. And at that point, you need God and God alone. There are things that men can do, but there are things that men cannot do. But I'm so grateful that we serve a God who is limitless. I'm so grateful that we serve a God who has no boundaries. 
What affects you does not affect God. What limits you does not limit God. What prevents you does not prevent God. Why? Because we serve a living God. We serve a God who is not in the class of man, but we serve a God who is in his own class. He will keep you in perfect peace. As I was studying the word, I came to realize that whenever you talk of trust, whenever you talk of trust, especially from the Hebrew background, the Hebrew helps us to come up with some pictures to help us understand what trust is. So I've got four pictures that I just want to share with you this morning. Four pictures or four picture images that are associated with the word trust. If you're going to be looking at the meaning of trust, there are four pictures. In the first picture, image of trust, it is the picture of a tent. It is a picture of a tent. If you're going to sit down with people who have a background of the Hebrew and you're talking about trust, they will tell you that there is a picture attached to the word trust. And the first picture, it is the picture of a tent. Now, whenever you talk of a tent, a tent, uh, it signifies a dwelling place. A tent signifies a place of safety, right? I don't know about you, but I think in 2007, when there were the, the bombings in London, anybody who remembers? Is it 2007 in July? The July bombings in, in, in London. Then I was living in London. Yeah, I was living in southeast London, in, in, in South North, if I'm not mistaken. But I was working in North London, in Kingsbury, in, in North London, somewhere Wilsden, somewhere there. And for you to move from southeast to go to North London, it wasn't an easy journey. But the quickest way was to use the tube trains, right? Was to use the tube trains. And I remember on that day, I went to work very well. And it was only when I got to work that I heard that there were some bombings that took place. And you know, as you continue to hear the story unfolding, I came to realize that the bombings actually happened 15 minutes after I had passed through Edgeway. And I went to work, and you know, you, you think something that has just happened. I'm, after work, I'm just going to go on the next train and use the same road and go back home. And little did I realize that uh, the whole uh, railway system was on standstill for the whole day. The whole day. So when I finished work after 5 o'clock, and as usual, I'm going to the train, and you get to the train station, and, uh, and they're saying no trains. Use the bus. And you go to the bus and you are realizing that there is no bus that is going to go straight. You know, I, I, had to, I had to take one of the longest routes I've ever taken to get home. Where it normally takes me about, it took me about, about 45 minutes from, uh, from North London to Southeast. That day it took me more than six hours to get home. Because uh, we, had to, we, we, we had to use the routes that are completely outside of the city center. The, when I mean the outside, I mean the outside of London. Joining one bus to the other so that I can get home. But what I'm trying to bring to your attention is, in my mind, in as much as there was chaos in London, but what kept telling me in my mind, ring my mind, is that was that if only I can get home, I'll be safe. If only I can what? If only I can get home, I'll be safe because home is associated with safety. That's why when disaster or when something bad happens, everyone thinks about going home. If the alarm rings in, there's fire in here. What do you think about is getting your keys and not go to Nando's? You think about going where? Going home. Why? Because a home or a tent is associated with safety. And when you talk about a tent, we're talking about somebody who is inside. So when we talk about trust, there is a picture image of someone who is not outside, but someone who is inside. So whenever you stand up and you trust God, what trust does, trust takes you from the outside and it places you on the inside of the tent, inside the house. So it is when you are inside that you are protected. It is when you are inside that you can rest. When I go to home after about seven hours, even though we're hearing the news on the telly, 
But you know, but the fact that I got home and I sat down, I felt at rest. It did not mean that the trouble was, uh, was over. But the fact that I was now inside the house, you know, I had this sense of relief. That finally I'm home. I can sit down, I can rest, I can relax. That is exactly what trust does. To the people that trust God, trust brings a sense of safety to you. Trust, it, it brings a sense of security to you. Because that is, that is exactly what trust does. To the people that trust in God, they are people that are safe and secure. Somebody say trust. The second image picture to trust is the picture of a basket. Now, it's not the whole basket that they use to illustrate this, but it's the concept of something that goes around. Right, some that goes around. You know, those, whatever they use, it's interwoven, but going around, there's a sense of, of surrounding. When you put something inside there, it's surrounded by the material that has been used to make the basket. Right. So the second aspect about trust is that trust surrounds you. Am I talking to somebody in the house? What trust does, trust provides a surrounding. The third picture I like so much about trust, it is the picture of a nail. Ladies, amen. I'm not talking about your nails. It's the picture of a nail. A nail. Now, what do we use a nail for? We use a nail when we want to fix something in a certain place. When we want to fasten something to a certain position, what do we use? We use a nail. Or when we want to put two things together, we use a nail to fasten these two pieces together so that it's stable. So there is an element of being established, of becoming secure when you trust God. So trusting God establishes you where you become unshakable, where you become secure. You are not easily moved when you trust God. You are fixed at a certain place. And the last picture, it is the picture of offense. Somebody say offense. The last picture is the picture of offense. I'm sure all of us, we know we grew up, majority of us, we grew up in Africa. Dad and mom would put a fence or put a jura hall. Yes. It serves for the purpose of what? Of protecting. Of what? Of protecting. You, you're, you're being protected from the danger that is on the outside so that the danger does not come on the inside. And at the same time, the parents were also protecting us so that we do not go outside. Yeah, so it's, it's two-dimensional. It's preventing what is outside to come inside and also protecting what is inside so that it doesn't go into the areas where there is danger. Now, when you trust God, what trust does, trust will put a fence around you. Trust will put a fence of protection around you. And now, when you go back to the verse in Isaiah 26, verse number 3, Isaiah 26, verse number 3, it says, you will keep him in perfect peace. You will keep him in perfect peace. Now, this is God who is going to do the keeping. It's not man who is coming to do the keeping. But the Bible says, you will keep him. Not you may keep him. But you will keep him. It's something that God is going to do. You will keep him in perfect shalom. In perfect peace. The one whose mind is stayed on you. The one whose mind is stayed on you. The one whose mind is stayed on you. What do we mean by that? A mind that is stayed on the Lord. It's a mind that is focused on the Lord. It's an attitude of the mind where you are inclined to choose God. It's an attitude of your mind where you choose God. Where you choose to take God's side. Where you choose to take God's way of doing things when compared to every other option that is available in the world. That is a mind that is fixed on the Lord. That's a mind that is stayed on the Lord. Where when you make decisions in your life, you will choose God's side. Where when you make decisions, 
concerning your future. You choose God's ways. When you make decisions about your family, you choose God's ways. When you make decisions about your tomorrow, you choose God. Every decision that you make, the attitude of your mind is inclined to choose God's ways. That is the person whom the scripture says that person will be kept in perfect what? God will come in and will keep that person in perfect peace. But obviously Isaiah is writing from an Old Testament perspective. And as he's writing, he says, you keep in perfect peace. But can I suggest to you this morning that according to the book of Ephesians, according to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, chapter number 2, verse number 14, it says, for ye himself, that's referring to Christ, is our peace. Now, Isaiah is saying, you keep him in perfect peace. The one whose mind is stayed on you. And this is what I'm saying to you. A believer who is living in the New Testament. God will keep you in Christ. God will keep you. He will protect you. He will fence you around when you are in Christ. Why? Because your mind is focused on Christ. Looking unto Jesus. The author and the perfecter of what? Of our faith. That's the blessing that comes when you and I choose to trust God. Remember in the beginning I said, when trust is shaken, the whole building will collapse down. But when trust is in its rightful place, I tell you, you will become established. Why? Because in trust, God will put a fence around you. When you trust God, God will make you secure. When you trust God, God will surround you with his grace and with his power, with his love. When you trust God, God will put you on the inside. This is what trust does. Trust will make God to keep you. Trust will make God to keep you. And that's why this morning I'm saying to you, it pays to trust God. Church, it pays to trust God. Psalm chapter number 139, verse number 5. Listen to what the scripture says. You have urged me behind and before me and laid your hands upon me. When you trust God, God will hedge you from behind and from ahead of you. And on top of that, he will lay his hand upon you. You don't need any other protection. That is beyond this. But this is what happens to a people that have put their trust in the Lord. God will put a fence around you. I like that portion of the scripture. He will put, he will hedge you from behind. So that means anything that is pursuing you that you are not seeing, for it to come and attack you and reach you, it must first and foremost remove the hedge behind you. So every time the enemy is coming from a direction where you are not seeing, let me tell you, when you trust God, God will put a hedge a fence, or if you want to put a direct translation from where you come from, you will put a hedge. You are getting it now? You will put a hedge, a proper hedge. You know what I'm talking about. You will put a fence behind you. Not only that, but when the enemy chooses to attack you from where you can see, the Bible says, he also put a hedge before you. That's in front of you. When the enemy discovers that he cannot attack you from a ground level, and he tries to launch from the air, God says, I will put my hand upon you. We save a God who protects. But this is what happens when you trust God. This is what happens to a people that trust God. So for you, you don't have to pray and say, God protect me. Just trust him. Because there are certain things that come with trust. Trust will come with protection. Trust would automatically come with protection. Psalm chapter number 125, verse 1. Those who trust in the Lord, they are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but it abides forever. <laughs> I don't know what your translation says. Can I read this translation here? Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. That's NIV. 
which cannot be shaken. Those who trust in the Lord, those whose confidence is in the Lord, they will become like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken. Somebody shout, I'm unshakable. Somebody shout, I'm unshakable. Whenever you trust God, you become unshakable. Whenever you put your confidence in God, you become completely unshakable. The New Living Translation says, those who trust in the Lord are as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated. They will become as secure as Mount Zion. They will not be defeated. I thank God when I saw our children doing the ministration around the story of Joseph. Because when you look at Joseph, it's a beautiful picture of someone who trusts the Lord. Joseph never lost confidence in God because he was put in prison. In the heat of the moment, Joseph trusted God. Through it all, through the difficult moments of life, one thing that you find on Joseph is that Joseph kept on trusting God. Why? Because God will keep him in perfect peace. The one whose mind is stayed on him because that person has made a decision to trust God. It pays to trust God. Church, it pays to trust God. Even when you are going through the loss, even though you're going through the ups and downs of life, can I tell you, it pays to trust God. It pays to trust God. It pays to trust God. Joseph was in a foreign land, far away from his own people, far away from the comfort of his home. But even in that situation, in that faraway place, Joseph trusted in the Lord and trust protected him. When they wanted to kill him, God put a hedge around him. The brothers had to change the strategy. It's God's hand at work. It's God's hand at work. Why? Because it pays to trust God. They took him and they put him in the pit. Joseph never stopped trusting God because it pays to trust God. They took him from there and they sold him and became a slave. But Joseph never stopped trusting God. From the slavery, Joseph will find him in prison at one point. But he never stopped trusting God. A lot of us, we stop trusting God because you have been betrayed. Let me tell you, Joseph was betrayed. But yet he kept on trusting God. Will you make a decision today of trusting God? Even when everything is working against you. Just like David, can you make a decision to trust God? Why am I suggesting this to you? Because it pays to trust God. Those who have put their trust in the Lord, the Bible says they have never been put to shame. It does not mean that you will not endure the fire. It does not mean that you will not go through the tough times. But whenever you trust God, the outcome is always better for you, for people that trust the Lord, than people that trust on themselves. The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding, but put your trust, put your confidence in the Lord. Some people trust in chariots. Some people, they trust in horses. Some people, they trust in money. Some people, they trust in their wealth. But let me tell you, those who put their trust in the Lord, they will become like Mount Zion. It is unshakable. It is immovable when you make a decision to trust the Lord. Will you be like Job when he's sitting on a deathbed? But Job will stand up and say as long as there is breath in my nostrils, yet I will trust in the Lord. I will not let go of the Lord. I will trust the Lord. Will you trust him when things are not going so well? Will, will you trust him when your brothers have betrayed you? Will you trust him when your husband or your wife has betrayed you? Can you stand up and still trust God and still believe that the outcome is going to be better than what I'm going through? Can you stand up and trust God in your darkest hour? 
Can you stand up and trust God in the midst of the night? Can you stand up and trust God when you are right in the prison like Paul and Silas? Can you stand up and trust God? Church, it pays to trust God. Church, it pays to trust God. Church, it pays to trust God. Don't allow trust to be eroded away. Because the moment trust is eroded away, your building lacks foundation. It, it is no longer safe. It is no longer secure. It is no longer established. Church, it pays to trust God. Will you trust God when, the, when, 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 when man plot against you, plan against you, to the point that the system throws you in a den of lions? Like Daniel, will you stand up and still trust God? Will you stand up and trust God when thrown in the fire? Will you stand up and say, King, live forever? We will not bow down to this one because our confidence is not in men. Our confidence is in the Lord. Will you stand up and trust God when you are faced with real things in life? When death is knocking on your door, can you stand up and trust God and become like Paul says, to die is gain. But if I leave, it's all to the glory of God. Will, will you stand up and trust God? May God have mercy on us. Because sometimes we're raising, we're raising ourselves as believers who are so weak. We are weak because we don't trust God. We are easily moved by small things. We are easily moved by small words. We are easily moved by things that don't matter, that don't real matter in real life. But can I challenge you this morning, Church of the Living God? It pays to trust God. 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 Can you trust God like David when your own son Absalom betrays you? He goes behind your back and he's stealing the hearts of people from you to himself. Can you still stand up and say, Father, in you I put my trust. Can you still stand up and declare that Lord, only in you do I put my trust. Can you still stand up when your children are going haywire? When your children are behaving weirdly, can you still stand up and say, Lord, I put my trust in you. My confidence is in you. Why? Because God keeps them in perfect peace. Those whose minds are stayed on the Lord. When you trust God. David says in Psalm 121, oh, look up to the hills. For where does my help come from? He's looking to the hills, but he's saying, where does my help come from? This is how, I, I know the common translation, it says my help comes from the mountain. But let me tell you, David is looking to the mountains, and he's saying, even in the mountains, ah, my help doesn't come there. My help comes from the Lord. The one who made the heavens and the earth. He who watches over Israel does not sleep nor slumber. Now, this is a declaration of someone who has put his trust in the Lord, that the Lord is my keeper, the one who shields me, the one who protects me, the one who takes me from outside where there's danger, is God, is Yahweh, is the covenant-keeping God. Why? Because it pays to trust God. The fact that you're going through difficult times does not mean that God has abandoned you. Joseph was in slavery. But the Bible says, and the Lord was with Joseph. This is the life of someone. Trust God. Can I speak to you, every young person who is in here? These are the things to begin to invest in at a young age. Trust God. Trust God. Every decision that you make, trust God. As young as you are, put your trust in God. Learn to, de learn to depend on God. When, you, when you're writing exams, an expression of trusting God is I take time to, to pray to God and say, God, help me. Before you ask pastor to pray for your exams, a, a young person who is learning to trust God will go before God and say, God, I'm putting my trust in you. I'm going to sit down and write my exams, but Lord, I'm putting my trust in you. Because sometimes it becomes difficult to teach our children things when they're grown up. Let's keep them young. But for us adults, these are things that we don't need to tell our children. We need to model it. We need to model it. 
Will you trust God? Will you trust God with your health? When the doctors are saying, you know, whatever we do, we're just trying. We've got, we don't know, but we're just trying. In that moment, can you trust God? In that moment, can you trust God? In that moment when your marriage is burning, there are flames of fire. And almost everyone knows about it. Everyone is seeing it. But can I ask you, can I implore you, can I beseech you by the message of God? It pays. Trust God. When your manager at work, they're doing everything to, to just work against you. You've tried to be good. You've tried everything that you know to do. You've tried to calm down. You've tried to lower your voice. You've adjusted everything. But can I ask you, will you continue to trust God when they put more fire? Will you continue to trust God when fire is added seven times more? Will you still stand up and still trust God? That Lord in you and you alone, do I put my trust? Will you stand up and trust God? When church people begin to talk about you, will you stand up and still trust God? Will you still stand up and trust? When your whole clan and your own family, they are talking bad about you, they are plotting things against you, will you stand up and trust God? Will you stand up and put your confidence in the Lord? When your job is gone and you hadn't prepared anything, you hadn't prepared what you're going to do when your job is out and they're telling you that, you know what, the company is closing down and perhaps you wake up in the morning and you go to work and the doors are locked. The gates are locked and they tell you the, the company is going to administration. Will you still trust God? Will you still trust God? Church, I don't have any other word to share with you this morning. But my heart is for you. Can you make a decision to trust God? When everything else is failing, when everything has failed you, when everything that can be shaken has been shaken, will you still stand up and trust God? Will you still stand up and say, Father, uh, I still uh, I trust you. Uh, let me tell you, the Bible says in, in Psalm, it says, weeping may endure. Yeah, yeah, yeah weeping may endure for, for a night, but joy comes in the morning. That's for people that have put their trust in who? That have put their trust in the Lord. Your night is not forever. Your night is not forever. I'm saying your night is not forever. Your dark hour is not forever. Your dark hour is not everlasting. Your dark hour is not eternal. There is no eternity to your dark hour. Let me tell you, morning is coming. For those who trust in the Lord, your morning is coming. But it's going to take people that are going to trust God. Even in that moment where your tears are going down. But let me tell you, hold on. Hold on unto the Lord. Hold on unto God. Don't throw away your trust in the Lord. It pays to trust God. The greatest example of all is Jesus Christ himself. The Pharisees opposed him, yet he trusted in the Lord. The Sadducees came, they, tried, they, they, they attacked him, yet he trusted in the Lord. The Romans came and they joined the Pharisees, yet he trusted in the Lord. You know what, if you're watching a movie, you'd almost conclude that this one is gone. You'd almost write him off and say, ah, there is no life, there is no future. Let me tell you, it got to a point where they killed him. They put him in the grave and they celebrated and they said it's over. But let me tell you, for people that put their trust in the Lord, it's not over until God says it's over. On the third day, they saw him walking again on the streets of Jerusalem to a people that trust the Lord. God will not put you to shame. I'm saying God will not put you to shame. I know, I know perhaps you're saying, Pastor, you don't know my story. Yes, I don't know it. And perhaps I don't even need to know it. But there's someone who knows it. There's someone who knows your story. There's someone who really knows your story beyond the way that you know your own story. But let me tell you, that one doesn't disappoint. Pastor may disappoint you. He's a human being, he's limited. You people, your elders, your deacons, your leaders, they've got limitations upon their lives. 
But let me tell you, we serve a God who is not limited. We serve a God who is not restricted. We serve a God who cannot be put in a corner and he cannot move from that corner until somebody comes and moves him. We serve a God who is all-powerful. We serve a God who is mighty. David says, once I've heard, but twice it has entered my ears that all power, it belongs to the Lord. It belongs to my God. And that God is your father. That God is your father. That God is your father. Can I ask you, can you trust God? Ebenezer, can we trust God? When everything is working against us. But can we make a decision that we are going to trust God? Parents, can we make a decision to trust God over our children? I'm asking this seriously. Parents, can we make a decision? I'm not trying to force you, but I'm beseeching you by the message of God. Can we, can, can we, can we begin to trust God for our children? Why, why am I saying so? Because there is a point where we will no longer have control of our children. Uh, can I be real with you? There is a point in raising our children. The first stage of raising our children is control. You tell them, sit down and they'll sit down. You tell them, go to bed. And they'll go to bed. That's control. And I'm sure we can all agree. There is a certain age when they get to. Especially in this place. Where you can no longer tell them to go to bed. Where you can no longer tell them to come home at 6 o'clock. And I'm saying to you, can we make a decision? You say, Lord, I'm trusting you. We say, Lord, I'm trusting you for Shama. Trusting you for Shalom. But dad, you say, Lord, I'm trusting you for place. When you stand up and say, Lord, I'm trusting you for Samia. Yeah. I'm trusting you, Lord, for Samia. Because what trust does is the things that you cannot do, God will kick in and do them for you. The fact that nothing is happening at the moment does not mean it might not happen. But let me tell you, when you make a decision, trust God. What trust does, trust brings a tent and it puts you inside where you're safe. Trust is like a nail. It will make you secure. You know, when you're noticing crazy things, you become secure, you're established, you're not easily moved. You trust God, God will put a fence around you, surround you, He'll protect you. He'll cover you. He'll cover you. Can I conclude by reading Psalm chapter number 91? If you're able to run through with me the whole chapter. I want us to read it together. If you don't mind just rising on your feet. It's a chapter that talks about people that put their trust in the Lord. This is what happens. This is the promise that happens to a people that put their trust in the Lord. Are you able to run with me from verse 1 up to the last verse? Together, let's go. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flows by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways.
they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample and great lion and the serpent because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. It pays to trust God. It pays to trust God. It pays to trust God. Can I ask you to join your hands if somebody's next to you? As a family this afternoon, I want us to pray and ask God for the grace to trust Him. It's easy to trust Him when things are okay, but it takes effort to trust Him when things are not okay. But I want you to pray for somebody who's on your right and on your left and say, Lord, together as a family, in that hour, in that moment, Lord, give us the strength, give us the courage, the boldness to trust you when everything is working against us. When we are surrounded with betrayal, Lord, help us to trust you. Thank you for tuning into Your Change, a broadcast aimed at revealing grace and empowering transformation. To interact with us, please visit our website at afmimmiltonkeens.org or follow us at Ebenezer Fellowship AFMIM on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also interact with Pastor Danny on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For easy access, the links are in the description. Until we meet again, may heaven keep smiling at you.